Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, my husband, J.C. All right. I missed you yet the other day, J.C. Good. <laughs> you should. You should miss J.C. We're so happy to be here. Uh, welcome to the end of the first week of 2020. You realize that? Really, we've already yeah, finished right. the first week of 2020. And I'm really excited uh, to have started the year with such great people. Um, it's amazing, J.C., I don't know what has happened in the last few weeks, but the show has just grown by leaps and bounds in the last few weeks. Uh, and I mean not just hundreds, I mean thousands of new people watching us on Facebook and watching us uh, on YouTube. And There's the dog. And That was not the dog, that was you. No, the dog's behind us. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, the corner right there. there. Yeah. Mac. Mac, go lay down. <laughs> well, we're not the only show host that has their dog on air sometimes. Of course not. <laughs> and if the president can have his dog, then we can have his our dog too, right? Does the president have a dog? I never. Oh yeah, president don't Trump you know he dog? got he got in trouble? Oh really? For 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 having his dog in the White House. Hmm. Yeah. So I missed that. Yeah, that was that was. One, another one of those fabricated big scandals. Speaking of the president, he gave a speech uh, in Miami at the church. Uh, I, f I forget. Our friend told us who it was. Well, it was Pastor Maldonado's church. Yeah, Pastor Maldonado's yeah. church. Jesus, in, Jesus, uh, Jesus is King, I think. Yeah, and I we watched. I watched a good part of it. I mean, it's still going on right now. So yeah. you know, we had to turn it off because here we are. But the, a good part of the speech, and I'll just simply say the majority of the speech, maybe because he was in a church, was about this administration's efforts to restore proper, I'll, I'll put it, let me see if I can word this very carefully, uh, to restore proper application of religious liberty on the federal level. And he, he made mention of things that they're doing. He made further promises about what he's doing. I don't know how much you got to hear, J.C. You mentioned it. But uh, there you were, mean Trump? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But there was... Who, who did you think I was talking about? No, I, no I'm, I'm good. I, sorry. All right. Okay. I was just thinking he meant, you know, he mentioned his hair was real. Oh, you got, he got. That was the best part. Trump got, uh, Trump, Trump. <laughs> JC got distracted because Trump was making a joke about how it was raining at the 4th of July festival. And, and Trump made the joke that, well, at least they know now my hair is real because if my hair had not been real in all of that rain, <laughs> he cracks me up, we'd, have, we'd have had, he said, we'd have had big problems, huge, <laughs> big problems. So if his hair wasn't real, so. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so. <laughs> no matter what you think about the cat, there has never been yeah, a president yeah, like this one. Yeah, right. right. I mean, just, just to, uh, it's other. If you think about it, when you listen to him, for me, it makes me realize how uptight previous presidents were, because Trump yeah. just 
just rolls with it, man. Just, yeah. just you know. Well, Obama, uh, in in Obama's second term, he sort of he started lo- he rolling with it, he, right? He loosened up a bit. They, they let him off the teleprompters, right? right? Which and was not always good. Not, not always a good thing. Not for them. Right. Not, <laughs> not for anybody. That was funny how, you know, toward the you end of... You think the Trump hot mics, or the, the Obama hot mics with yeah. Putin in <laughs> Right. But you realize, or at least I thought, um, sure he was much it. less of a speaker mm-hmm. that people thought he was when there was no script. Yeah, for somebody whose claim to fame is being a community organizer, he was really, really bad at it. <laughs> and you know, but I don't think there's there's a worse speaker. Well, I don't know, maybe I've I've not come around along many worse speakers than Rick Scott. So true. you knew that was coming, uh, right? Yeah, true. I've just. <laughs> That man. So did you say it worse? I knew Rick Scott was about to follow. Yeah, that. Rick Scott was one of them. I'm, yeah. I'm not. Bless his heart. I'm not closing the door to the fact that that I've probably been exposed to worse, but I don't remember yeah, and who they were. And it's interesting as I was watching, you know, what I watched the speech today. And this has been common with President Trump. Also, in contrast to previous presidents, um, does he use a teleprompter? Yes, he has a teleprompter that has his prepared speech. But, but he, he wanders away. He, he, he I'm wander away. He ad libs yeah. <laughs> within the speech. Yeah. So you know, all presidents have speech writers. So George the, Washington, Alexander Hamilton was George Washington's yeah. speech writer. So for the most part, Donald Trump, just like anybody else, when it's a speech. Now, not when he's with reporters or whatever, mm-hmm. but when it's a when it's a speech, just like any other president, he didn't write it. Somebody else wrote it. But President Trump is different because previous presidents. They just read what's on that speech. Mm-hmm. Trump makes it his own because he'll say a line and then he has a recollection or a story or a thought and, and he he talks, you know, he ad-libs through the speech. So, um, you know, really, the guy is unique in so many ways, but that, that's just another thing that's been unique about this yeah. president uh, and just the way that he deals so with So in speeches. this speech today... He he spent a lot of time talking about the administration's efforts in restoring the proper application of religious liberty at the federal level. And he said something, I don't know if you got to hear it, JC, but he, he said something that I know would make you pleased, that they are, they are actively working to, to establish the, I, I don't want to use the word precedent, because for me that means something, you know, precedent on a layman's level, right, sure. not a legal level, uh, that colleges will not receive federal money when they censor or uh, are, are eliminate conservative speech, mm-hmm. right? So right. when they censor or eliminate conservative speech on the college campuses, this administration, he said, we're going to get even more aggressive with federal, with, and he said billions and billions of federal dollars uh, we have control of in these college campuses. And I know that's something that you've been been very interested in. The other thing uh, he talked about was, was, re- was working on the Johnson Amendment. And um, the Johnson Amendment is... Uh, and I, people think of I, I think I hear this a Johnson Amendment, and I think people actually think that by the word amendment it means an amendment to the Constitution. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I really think it's, I think that's, but it's, it's actually of, it's amendment in it's a piece an of amendment to the IRS code. Okay, yeah. That's what the word amendment refers to to the IRS code, and not to the Constitution. But I guarantee you, and I know for a fact, there are many people out there who believe that the Johnson Amendment is actually an amendment to the Constitution itself that controls political activity of churches. But in reality, it's, it's an amendment to the IRS code that came through legislation in 1954. And it is supposed to, to be a limit on church's political speech. Uh, now, let me just tell you, there's a lot more uh, propaganda about the Johnson Amendment than there actually is truth. So... Trump is, says we, we're looking to repeal the Johnson Amendment, we're looking to work against the Johnson Amendment. Now, as legislation, Trump can't repeal it. Right. Okay. Um, but what we should understand, that the Johnson Amendment being unconstitutional from the get-go shouldn't be applied at all. Because remember, Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution says that legislation must be made in pursuance to the Constitution in order for it to have legal value. Article 1, Section 2 says that if laws are not made in, the co in, in uh, pursuance to the Constitution, then the judges of the states are not bound by those laws. Donald Trump, as President of the United States, has taken an oath to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. Well, that isn't everything, right? Just because Congress passes a law doesn't make it a law of the United States. It's only legally, constitutionally, a law of the United States if it's made in pursuance to the Constitution. And so I covered this uh, I covered this on Tuesday and um, no on Wednesday I covered this on Wednesday so go back and watch the show or I did a short clip on this about how uh, Congress is not king right so Congress can't pass any laws so under the oath of office by the president to faithfully execute the laws of the United States and to support and defend the Constitution of the United States he has the opportunity and I will say the obligation which is not establishing new precedent because we've had presidents refuse to enforce congressional acts because the presidents have felt that they were not constitutionally based, right? Jackson, you know, I mean, seriously. So if Donald Trump, and I'm just trying to explain Donald Trump, we want to push aside the Johnson Amendment, right? Uh, he can't amend the legislation, but what I'm trying to say is he doesn't have to. Because the Johnson Amendment is not constitutionally based legislation. Congress does not have the authority to dictate content to the church. And they can't do that through the IRS either. And so the problem is, first and foremost, the IRS's involvement with the church through 501c3 period. The IRS should not be involved uh, in giving letters of permission to the church. So remember, if you're not a 501c3 church to begin with, then the Johnson Amendment means nothing to you. 
right? So you have, okay, you can't look at me with those words hanging off your no, mouth I, if you're not going <laughs> to. Well, it's one of those, you know, down the train arguments again. I mean, what about the existence of the IRS to begin with? Well, and of course, <laughs> you know right? I, mean? I, I know we understand the so IRS arguing, doesn't constitutionally exist. Right. But we also remember that, that new fields are not plowed overnight. And what we have is an awareness in this legislation uh, about the... I don't, I don't want to put words in the administration's mouth, but we have an awareness that the Johnson Amendment is inappropriate. Right. I'm not going to say they think it's unconstitutional or they think whatever. I'm just going to say inappropriate because I've never heard the president actually say well, some, the Johnson Amendment is unconstitutional. So yeah. I'm not going to put those words in his mouth. Meaning the churches and I mean the, basically that crowd having that conversation and right. in the movement. Because, you know, some, some do, some don't. Some would say, well, if you're going to get it, as a church, you're going to get a tax break. Mm hmm you know, what are you complaining about? Pay your taxes and then say whatever you want. So, you know, you hear the argument on both sides, both in and outside mm -hmm. of the church. Um, my thought is this. Well, but this is not about a, having a tax break or not having a tax break. This is about the government controlling the message of the church. Yeah. Right? And, and saying, so let's not, con let's, let's, again, I thank you for saying that, JC, because we got to set aside the whole debate on whether the church should have to pay taxes or not. This is not about whether the Johnson Amendment is not about whether the church should have to pay taxes or right, not. Right. Because a church in America doesn't pay taxes, and donations to the church are tax exempt whether they have a 501c3 letter or not. Right. Okay, so that issue is for another day. It's a different debate. What we're talking about here is the IRS, namely the U.S. government, dictating what a church can say or cannot say from the pulpit. Yeah, because... that's it, the violation. Right, and it's an interesting thing because, you know, I mean, if you think it through, so IRS says... And, and I would say there is some extent about the tax exempt because they're also saying we control whether you're tax exempt or not. We're the one that make you tax exempt, which is like you say, is another argument. Mm -hmm. That's not true. But they're operating on that premise from from the get go, saying if we, we give you permission not to pay taxes, right. then you can't talk about gardening uh, and uh, horticulture. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, right. so right. why? Politics, political candidates. Right. Why is how how do you make that connection right. somehow exactly. that this is this speech is prohibited, other speech is not? And I guess, I guess the logic is so if they can endorse a candidate, then somehow I don't know they're going to give you a favor you. in yeah, the idea I, that you're being exempt. I mean, it's I can't it's a strange I don't know. line of reasoning to me. And I like it? how you said that. If we give you permission, right? Right. That's the premise. Because the premise is is that the 501c3 is a permission from the federal government. And I want to be very clear. Liberty Council does an amazing job at this. They are at lc.org. Liberty Council. They have a 30-minute video that can go to the, the pastors and the churches and the leadership and the congregation that explains why a church never even has to have a 501c3 letter. So if you don't seek permission from the church, I'm sorry, if you don't seek permission from the federal government to be tax-exempt, you're tax-exempt anyway. But if you don't seek permission from them, then you don't have to follow these 
these non sequitur rules because it really doesn't make any sense. It's like you said, why, why, why can't you talk about politics in the church? Why can't you talk about baking chili in the church? Why, you know, I mean, seriously, at what point does, what is the connection? And, and somebody says, well, connection is elections and campaign financing and, and because now we have a society where speaking in favor, and, and this is now the campaign financing laws, speaking in favor of a, of a politician or speaking against a politician is now considered by the IRS as campaign financing. <laughs> which, is, which is also nutty. With no money taking hands. <laughs> oh, but you're giving them the benefit of your endorsement, which has, an, has a, a dollar equivalent, right? And so that's, but see, this is what happens when we lose the understanding of foundational principles of freedom of religion and freedom of speech, and we start having the government make the rules. And this, is, this falls right in line with what Alexander Hamilton said during the debate on the ratification of the Bill of Rights. Hamilton said, uh, how do you put, uh, anyone who can put a definition on, free, on uh, liberty of the press would be able then to create the meaning. He said, uh, oh, I can't rem- remember exact words right now. Um, he called it the latitude for in- evasion, right? So by defining a term, you create the opportunity to evade and manipulate how people work in the meaning of that term. And he was, working spe- he was speaking specifically about liberty of press. Uh, we teach about that in the... Uh, on at libertyfirstuniversity.com. I have that in the great debate class where I talk about the principle and purpose of the Bill of Rights and the and you know the whole argument there. And so now over and over again, JC, we see this that Hamilton's warning become prophecy because Hamilton said if you write down the Bill of Rights, then what you're actually doing is you're giving a tool, he said, men who are disposed to usurp your rights will have a reasonable claim to say, well, we certainly don't want to violate your freedom of press, but since you've told us not to violate it, then you must have meant that we have some authority to regulate it as long as we don't violate it through those regulations. And so uh, this, is, this is the problem that we have. This is where the Johnson Amendment, if you sort of extract it from the whole unconstitutionality of the IRS to begin with, really jumps off the rails. And so that long story is to sort of understand what I was trying to say when Trump said we're going we're gonna to fight this. What Trump should actually do is send out an executive order that says, hey, the Johnson Amendment does not comply with the Constitution and pursuant to Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution. The Johnson Amendment is no law at all. And so the IRS, under my direction, because I am the CEO of the IRS, will not, uh, will not apply enforce. this law, will not enforce this law. So that's the, that's the extent to which pres- the president can Yes, that's the that. extent. The can president can that. control that. The president can affect that by simply saying... Um, guess what? 
this is unconstitutional, so as the CEO of the executive agency, my executive agents will not enforce this. Now, what's interesting, JC, is that since 1954, the IRS has not enforced the Johnson administration, uh, uh, the, the Johnson Amendment. And so there have been no churches who have been penalized for anything in violation. Now, there have been, uh, I, I, I read that there have been a handful of complaints, a couple investigations or audits because they're coming from the IRS, but no one has ever been punished, no church has ever, no pastor has ever been punished by the IRS from speaking from the pulpit. And you well, can't say that's because none of them have. It seems to me, in, in this, so more broadly speaking, and just speaking from the point of what, what I've researched and studied with you, what I've learned from you, and is the IRS uh, really is illegitimate in the first place, except yes. to the extent that they facilitate, uh, you know, I guess be the conduit between for the monies where that the states have yes. collected the apportioned taxes. So that really they, if they're going to be anything, they could only be, uh, you know, on the receiving end of what is the, what should have been the duty of the states right. under the Constitution in the first place. So in that regard, uh, it, it doesn't seem to me that taxing uh, organizations in that sense is legitimate anyway, right? Because if you think of right. apportionment, going through the states, that's a that's a person, right? Person by person apportionment. So a person pays to the state that portion, then the state funds the federal government. Well, that's but, I, I, but so the, the, you, the bottom line is the state can choose. And I'm not going to say that the state couldn't create some kind of corporate tax. Or but, the but state couldn't so, find some Aren't you in other. theory double taxed in, when, in that kind of a system? Right? Your tax is individual and then your business is taxed, your your commerce is stuck. I mean, I don't know. It's well, if you read, but again, like once it. again, if you if you read what those who ratified the Constitution believed about taxation, right, mm -hmm. then what you have to fund the federal government is primarily tariffs and, and uh, uh, excise taxes, right? So foreign commerce was supposed to be the majority of the funding. And if you if you speak if you read what they spoke about, foreign funding was supposed to be nearly the entirety of federal funding, and the only time you would need additional funding is for extreme circumstances that were outside the daily functioning. So if you if there's a disaster or something that the federal government is involved in, now remember, the federal FEMA is unconstitutional as well. We're not supposed to be collecting money and, and helping states. We're not supposed to be passing out federal funding for that sort of thing. That should be charity is a voluntary thing where other states would voluntarily help each other, not the federal government taking and giving, right? Yeah. So what I'm talking about is war, uh, something like that. So basically what they said in the extreme circ and and. Alex and James Madison said, in the extreme and rare occasion of war, those are ha Madison's words, in the extreme and rare occasion of war, like an unplanned thing is basically what they're talking about, then we would collect the difference from the states based on population. Mm -hmm. and, and then the states would then decide. But if you read what our founders said about taxes specifically, 
There's a really good source. James Madison wrote an essay in 1792 called Property. If you haven't read that, that's right up there with Bastiat's The Law. And it's actually shorter. It's just an essay. And read uh, James Madison's essay on property in 1792. You can see that they actually defined taxation of our what they called faculties, which would be the products of our mind, the products of our business, yeah. that taxation on the products of our business were actually theft for them. Yeah, well, that, that's, that kind of runs parallel to what I was thinking about the, the speech thing. So when, when they say, okay, you have this exemption and you make it contingent upon, you know, whatever your, your expression, mm -hmm. you're saying you can't endorse candidates, you can't collect mm -hmm. money, what have you. I, I have a problem from, you know, first off, from pastoral perspective, of defining it in the realm of religion. Why the distinction? To me, speech is speech. Right. That's why I say. That's why I said gardening, horticulture, whatever. What does it matter what I'm saying? You're restricting my my freedom of expression contingent right. upon some benefit you think you're bestowing me, which which again is a false premise in the first place. Right. But I, I just I think it's dangerous when we when you make it about the church has this right, the church has that right. And I mean, it's one thing of freedom of worship, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's all, it's, it's speech. Speech is speech. Right, exactly. The no, I'm totally on board with you. The you government. can't, you, because basically, it's basically the pastor expressing an opinion about a candidate. Well, so you're telling him, you can't express that opinion. That's, well, that's insane to me. Exactly. And it's, and it's, a, it's not only, and it's only because of the job that he holds. Right, which is it's only because like of the that job that be, he holds. That, that's right. problematic on the face of it. Like, right, wait a exactly. Minute. So why you shouldn't be you shouldn't be silenced in your speech. Why and why political speech? What if? And and here's the crazy thing: because according to the Johnson Amendment, you simply can't endorse or say say good things or bad things about a candidate, but you can talk about political social issues, right? So you can talk about abortion, you can talk about welfare, you can talk about uh, health care, you can talk about these things from a political perspective, but you can't talk about people. And so again, it's that sort of thing. Now you have, as Hamilton said, you've got them defining the limits, which in, in and of themselves is the creation of definition of what is speech and what is not speech, what is liberty, what is not liberty. And the, and the government is not supposed to have the authority to make the def definitions for fundamental rights. And that's, that's what we have. So, uh, you know, baby steps, we, we have to teach people. And I think we've, we've, we've personally uh, been very influential in the last 10 years of waking up some churches to these things. Uh, we've had churches that we know, big churches, withdraw their IRS 501c3 letters. They've uh, canceled their their um, corporate status and refiled and, you know, whatever they had to do to get rid of them. And we've had new churches that we know for fact come up that have never filed for their permission slips. So I think right. this is something that's that's coming about yeah to me that's the first problem when you're, you're basically signing on to a master you know when you right. ask we're going to become a 501c3 and take right. the permission now they try to you know craft the system to to almost force you to do it if you if you right. don't have it you can't do this this and right. this 
Um, you know, but that goes back to are you operating on faith or not? Right. right. Well, and here's the secondary problem, JC, because these are the whole problems with the defining things, right? So when a church employs someone mm-hmm. or a Christian school employs someone, because we have the federal, and this is going to, I'm going to have to be very delicate about how I say this because. These are the, when we get into these very specific issues, sometimes these are the things that some people are, are not ready to hear. And so what you then have is a situation now where the federal government has become involved in something that they have no authority to become involved in, and that is employment, right? Okay. And I'm speaking specifically about the Civil Rights Act. The federal government has no authority to tell a business who they can or cannot hire, who they must or must not hire. Okay, so we we have to do that. And I know that's hard for people to get because it's bound in a lot of emotion. It's bound in a lot of feelings. But the bottom line is in a liberty-based society, and we've talked about this before in different aspects, discrimination is a self-governing right. I have the right to discriminate against you. You have the right to not patronize. Yeah. Patron my business. You have a right to not patron my business. If I am an employer and I discriminate against you, you have the right to organize the community in opposition of me. But for the government then to be the force of that, and, and let me just say, on the state level, the states can can get involved as much as the people of the state want them to. Now that's still a violation of liberty terms, but from a legal and constitutional perspective, the federal government is not only prohibited from liberty terms, but they're prohibited from constitutional terms. You're not delegated the authority to be involved in employment, period. Mm-hmm. The powers not delegated to the United States are reserved to the states or to the people, right? So employment is not delegated, and don't give me the Commerce Clause thing. I don't even want to hear it. Um, And so it's not delegated, it's reserved to the states, and then the people can tell the states, we don't want you involved in this. That's how that's supposed to work. But since we have the Civil Rights Act that says there are certain things that people, certain criteria, certain classes of people that can't be discriminated against, which should really sort of bother us from a liberty perspective when we start establishing classes of people. Because then that really does not create an equal liberty. It says some people have more value in who they are than others. So in the Civil Rights Act, and specifically, the code is 42 U.S. Code, Section 2000E. When you go to subsection 2E, you actually get an exemption which reads businesses or enterprises with personnel qualified on the basis of religion, sex, or national origin, educational institutions with personnel of particular religion. Now this whole section, JC, is about unlawful employment practices. This section, subsection E, says it's not unlawful for a church to discriminate based on religion. So if my religious belief says that you have to, right, basically, well, let me just make this very simple. The church can say, if you're not Catholic, we're not going to hire you, mm-hmm. right? The, the, or Baptist, or Methodist. or Baptist, or whatever, right? Whatever religion, right? I'm, my church is Baptist. 
if you're not Baptist, I can say I'm not going to hire you. But because of the Civil Rights Act, the way it defines uh, business of public accommodation, remember, if you open your doors to the public, you are now considered public. We've had a whole show about how that's not true, but nonetheless, what the Civil Rights Act says. They say if you're just a general business, you can't say if you're not my religion, I, you can't hire me. I won't hire you, right? So as a general person, you cannot discriminate based on religion for hiring practices. But as a church, under this subsection of the Civil Rights Act, you can discriminate. School, uh, Christian schools can, according to this section of the Civil Rights Act, discriminate. Your teachers have to be of like faith. Uh, your students, you can even say your students have to be of like faith. The administration has to be of like faith. Well, now we have a situation come up where the Supreme Court is going to hear two cases. Uh, and I have up here, JC, uh, you can see this. I don't know if you want to put this over so everybody else can see this. Because this might shock some people that this is my source we're talking about today. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. Where'd it go? There it is. Okay. Uh -huh. So, uh, I've chosen Vox as my source article. Why? Would people be like, ah, oh, Vox, no way, Chrisan. Well, but if you, what is the art of war? Know your enemy as yourself. Know your enemy. This is what the opposition to religious liberty wants the Supreme Court to do. So I need to know what Ginsburg's going to be pushing. I need to know what Kagan's going to be pushing. I'm going to need to know what Sotomayor's going to be pushing, right? And so basically what we have are two cases called Hosanna Tabor versus EEOC and Our Lady of Guadalupe School versus Morrissey and St. James School versus Beale. So we have three cases, right? And what the bottom line here is in these cases is the Supreme Court will now have the opportunity to say, even though you work in a church, even though you work in a Christian school, your job is not ministerial. Therefore, the church cannot discriminate based on religious practices. So talk about finite intrusion we now have and I'm not saying the Supreme Court will do this but the Supreme Court now has before it the question and therefore the opportunity to be within the business administration of the church and say this job is not religious enough to exempt you from 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 the Civil Rights Act. This job is religious enough. This one is close enough, but this one's not close enough. So now what we have is the opportunity for the federal government to come in, which will be how the Supreme Court decides this, the Department of Justice, you know. And it because the Department of Justice is the Civil Rights Enforcement Avenue, right? So you will have the civil rights enforcement leg of the Department of Justice. You will have the IRS. You will have all of these federal agencies being pushed then by the freedom from religion people, the ACLU and all of that, to go in and micromanage Christian churches and Christian schools. And the Vox article tells us, 
that they go so far as to say, if the teacher in the Christian school does not give sermons, then they don't, they are not member of the clergy. Wow. So they cannot. Now what that means is, and you, you, you know the writing on the wall. You see the writing on the wall, right? It's not about making a Catholic church hire a Baptist te teacher. Right. No. It's about making a Christian church hire an atheist teacher. Right. It's about making a Christian church who believes in um, uh, marriage between man and a woman, which be believes that uh, one wife, you know, that sort of thing, that believes that children are born in the image of God. They're pro-life no. and not so pro-gender choice. Hire people that don't believe that. that to, to, not, not only that, to force yeah. through... Let me let me just be very clear. Let's pause here for just one second. Through government force. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about somebody protesting, petitioning, or or picketing. We're talking about these radical leftist agencies and advocates using the force of government to force churches and Christian schools to hire people that believe, not just simply not believe, but believe contrary to their religious principles. Mm -hmm. Can't we all just get along? Yeah, Th that's the whole point. Why, why not, why do I have to be forced to believe what you want me to believe? Why do I have to, as a private institution, now here's the crazy thing, JC, because you and I are talking about this all the time. Public schools, colleges should not be able to discriminate that receive federal funding. Right. We're talking about churches and schools and religious organizations that receive no government money at all. None whatsoever. Which is really, that's, that's the essence of the tax exemption is, is being separated you know, from the, the system. Yes. Right? Be out of that yes. system. We don't pay you taxes. Mm -hmm. So... We we don't have those strings attached. Mm -mm, we're not attached to you in any way. Yeah. But here's the problem, though, JC. You have too many people in the churches, too many church administrations running around looking for government handouts and then at the same time wanting to eschew government intrusion. You can't eat your cake and have it too. Notice I said it right that time, right? You can't eat your cake and have it too. You can't get the money from the government and then expect to keep government intrusion out of your life. And so um, I think we're going to probably end the show now where we are. JC and I have a, a prayer meeting to get to at church because we are praying people and we will speak about our faith because we don't take government money. And so I just want us to keep our eyes open for these two Supreme Court cases. It's going to be interesting to see how Kavanaugh goes with this. It's going to be interesting. I know how Gorsuch is going to go with this. I'm sure how Thomas is going to go with this. Ah, um, Roberts will be an interesting one to watch on this as well. Uh, even the Catholic, the so-called professing Catholic judges don't always side with religious liberty because the Catholic Church in its highest administration doesn't always side with religious liberty. We know our, our, our liberty-loving Catholic friends side with religious liberty, but they are also frustrated the fact that the hierarchy in the Catholic Church doesn't. And so um, we just need to make sure 
that we are watching uh, these two, these three Supreme, well, it says two Supreme Court cases. There are two cases bodied in one and then another one by itself. So when you watch these cases, see what happens. And remember, when the Supreme Court issues their opinion, not their ruling, when they issue their opinion, don't read the headlines. Either wait until we cover it or read the opinion yourself because the headlines are never right on these issues. And so I uh, just want to say thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Do you have something to say before no, we No, I, I didn't know that about Chief Justice Roberts. I always wondered what what the hold over him was. So got some bestiality evidence out there. That's, a, <laughs> that's interesting. Well, I knew that there was some, some allegation of an illegal foreign adoption of his child. I've heard that one. Yeah, so the illegal foreign adoption of his child, but I don't know. But I, who knows? I, the bottom line is these guys, the, the majority of our Supreme Court, if you follow the money, is sold out to the corporations. And we did that show a long time ago of all the money they have invested in the people that actually present cases before them. Yeah. The corporate heads and the lobbyists and all this other stuff. Bought and so paid for it. Bought and paid for it. Just one money. more thing of of um, bad behavior, right? And before we, before we formally say goodbye, I want to remind you that on our list of topics to cover in the first part of 2020 is uh, JC's religious liberty class. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that render unto Caesar what is Caesar. Render right? unto Caesar. I saw some comments about yeah. that. And also, I also want to remind you on Monday, JC didn't hear this because I don't think he listened to the show I did by myself. I heard it. We are going to be doing the Cecil Rhodes episode on Monday. So if you have Killing of Uncle Sam book, have it with you so we can go through. We're going to be talking about Cecil Rhodes and the real deep state. Yeah, that'd take like eight shows. I know, but we're going we're gonna to hit the highlights, <laughs> right? We're going to hit the highlights. Just some things that, that will get people started on their own path of discovery and enlightenment. So thank you guys for joining us today. I just want to say I am ever so blessed. Oh, thank you for those of you who are contributing through what's the YouTube YouTube thing? Uh, the you talking about the uh, anchor? No, 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 no. When they send us money through YouTube. Oh, the, the uh, super super thing. Super chat. Super chat. Yeah, super chats available for. Super chat is available. Show your support at the bottom. You see, show your support. Super chat us, and uh, you know the way Frank does that is if you super chat, then you go to the front end of the line uh, to get your question answered sure. on air. Um, and you can also text IMPACT2020 to 33777, IMPACT2020 to 3377, and for less than a cup of coffee a month. Now, that's not every day. We're not asking for $5 <laughs> a day. So $5 a month. We have some really, really great things, visions that we need to see accomplished, and we need your help to do that. And we really, really appreciate you. If you think, if you appreciate what we do and you know that you can't find it anywhere else, help us broaden our reach and, and educate others. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, ring the bell below if you're watching us on YouTube, and share and subscribe to whatever podcast that you're doing. Yep. Amen. God bless. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you so much. See you next time.